I'd like to give a big thank you to Josh and Phil at Nowhere California for supporting us, another local venture, and Just Cool Stuff Video Magazine featuring myself, McDonough, and Brian C. Dunn. Uh, you can check us out at facebook.com backslash Just Cool Stuff DM. And you can also catch us on our YouTube channel, uh, also Just Cool Stuff DM. And stay tuned and we'll have a link directly to our new website, uh, probably on the next report. So thank you very much for tuning in to Nowhere, California, and we look forward to you uh, checking us out of Just Cool Stuff Video Magazine as well. And I just put a puppy. Greetings from Nowhere, California. Uh, we are doing our next reissue. Yeah, this is a reissue, episode, reissue number four for episode three. Yeah, reissue four, episode three. Do you hear that? Reissue four, episode three. I don't see a problem with it. I don't. I mean, yeah, of course you can, because my friend here can't count. Hey, I just learned to tie my shoes. Let me get to counting sooner or later. I'm so proud of you. I was at least 13 when I tied my shoe. Thank you. Yeah. So, anywho... Um, uh, this is the one where we talk about horror cliches. Yes, this is our first actual Halloween episode. Yeah, I enjoy these ones because I always love going into the dark side. The horror movies and blah, blah. Yeah. So, don't enjoy. Yeah, if it's new to you, I hope you enjoy it. And if it's not, then enjoy it again. <laughs> This is Phil. And this is Josh. And welcome to Nowhere, California, where we have hit the milestone of three episodes. Yes. Oh, oh man, that's incredible. Now, look, I know I'm probably going to say that every episode, but I don't do much in my life, so to make it to episode three is a real big deal for me. And you're going to be hitting another milestone this month? A milestone? Oh. <laughs> well... Uh, yeah, if, um, if Josh does his editing right, by the time you're listening to this, uh, my birthday will have passed and I will be 30. Wow, that's AARP season, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Josh, how, uh, exactly how old are you going to be your next birthday? Uh, I, I, at, uh, 30. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, a real big difference between you and me, pal, is, uh, I still have my hair. Fuck you. <laughs> It, yes, yes. I pulled the hair card, and yeah, I fucking played it. So, <laughs> Touche, sir. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all in love, buddy. If you want to pull that card out, I do have a card from our past. Oh, uh, big That I want to pull out. Oh, dear Lord, what is yeah. that? Before I do that, I do want to say this. Okay. Sit with it being your birthday and everything. <laughs> okay. Before I even decided to bring up an idea of a podcast to anybody the first person that even popped in my mind to even bring it up to and even say, you know what, you're going to be in this with me, was you, Phil. <laughs> so on that, I there's nobody else I'd want sitting next to me doing this besides my creative partner in crime. I've been calling you that for years, <laughs> and you ring true with it. Thank you so much. So man. on from that sentimental bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for my card. Oh, yeah, and, card. I'm, I'm really worried now. And on that card okay. is now a segment. Uh, it is going to be a continuing segment. Okay. Well, it's going to be called Call for a Caption. Call for a Caption? Yeah. It, it's basically a caption contest, but since uh, we don't have anything to do with it. You can't really call it a contest. Yeah, so we're going to just call it, for, call it a Call for a Caption. All right, Call for a Caption. Okay. And basically the rules, if you want to make rules. All right. <laughs> Basically, we have a Facebook now. You mm -hmm. can go search it at 
Facebook under Nowhere California Podcast, mm-hmm. and there will be a certain picture up on the main page now. It's a wall picture, and it basically <laughs> has the call for a caption name above it. And right now, since Phil is giving me this inquisitive look, yeah, I'm, I am going to show him the picture for the first time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my god. He hasn't seen this picture in a while. <laughs> and no, it's not my dick. No. Okay, I've never seen your dick, man. I don't think I want to. But <laughs> I'm sorry, we'll go past this. Let him compose himself for a moment here and then oh. he'll say what he's looking at right now. Oh, okay. Alright, well, basically what we're looking at here is uh, back when, uh, what was it, uh, Ranchero Middle School. I believe so. Yeah, we went to a field trip to Knott's Berry Farm. Well, Josh and I, we went on the log ride. And uh, Remember, we're in middle school at this point, so yeah. anything really entertained us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it did, it did. Shiny it's, objects entertained us. <laughs> well, we were in class, so I'm like, oh, fuck you know. So I don't think we had to go around with the chaperone at the time. Either. No, we didn't. It was just, you know, everybody was split. And, uh, no, I think we were that good of students. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. Right, we didn't need that. Yeah. We just had a rendezvous point, and boom, we were there. We just basically enjoyed the park. Yeah. But anywho, we went on um, the, the, log log, the, the log ride, one of the watered log rides, and uh, we knew that there's a certain point where <clears throat> uh, there's a picture that's supposed to be taken, and you uh, you get to basically keep uh, you know keep it as a souvenir. Well, so Josh and I, we kind of froze in this one position. Uh, I it, just, it is G, it, uh, PG, kind of violent. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I would say P, uh, PG-13. I've got a real intense look on my face. Yeah, it's kind of creepy look. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the well, not as creepy as mine. <laughs> yeah, but, well, the picture takes on t- t- new meaning now that I think about it. But uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm making a little thing like I'm about to strangle him. And Josh's um, reaction is just, <laughs> and now, if that wasn't funny enough, uh, you see the picture of me and him. We're we're at that pose, and then there's this mother and son in front of us that are completely oblivious to the two morons behind her. They're having a good day until they see the fucking picture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a freaking fortnight. <laughs> so, as we said, yes, it is a call for a caption. So, start thinking of shit. <laughs> yeah, hit it up, man. Hit it up. I'm really curious to see what you guys have to think. And uh, as we stated before, though, too, um, we are now on Facebook. Right. <laughs> like us, please. Please. So, yeah. <laughs> like us, silly bastards. Yeah, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> as we did in the second episode where we... Yeah, we're going to go ahead and send people. you some more love. Uh, Michael I. Alexander, <laughs> otherwise known between me and him as Trapper. <laughs> We got Andrew, we got Corey, we got Mike Hall, the dude that seems to give us all of our first props. Thank you so much, Mike. Yes, thank you. Uh, we got Gina, we got Robin, who by chance is now our stalker. Oh, we have a stalker? Yes, we do. Sweet. I feel special. Well, in such a short amount of time, too. Yeah, that's, I know. That, that's achieving something. But he must be doing something, right? All right, sweet. <laughs> Good friend of mine, Jason McLaughlin, uh, Jonathan McCabe. Matthew Morrow, a friend of yours from yes. uh, the Drama Days. That's right, that's right. You're on stage, I'm up. Front up top somewhere with a spotlight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was good times, man. <laughs> yeah, we, that's going to be definitely another podcast. Oh, time. absolutely. We'll be talking about that. Uh, Jonathan Belcher, Doug Porter, who on episode four will be sitting in with us. Yes, he'll be actually joining us. I'm really looking forward to that. And it's going to be a good one. Another good friend of mine, Ashley. Um, another guy, uh, <coughs> Matthew White, who will be here 
for the fifth episode. Kristen, Amanda, Trisha, and last but not least, we couldn't give her enough love. Oh, yeah. Bianca. Yes, thank you, Bianca. Because, honestly, what she has done for the show now makes us have to keep our game up a lot. Yeah, she's... Uh, what she's done for us, she's... Well, she basically helped put us out there. Yeah. So... <laughs> she gave us credibility, basically. Yes, she really did. Because if you don't notice, on the Facebook page and on our uh, page on our home at podomatic.com, there's some really, really damn good uh, graphics on there now. Yeah. yeah and, and that's all because of Bianca. Yes. She took uh, she took the pictures, uh, cleaned them up, everything. First, the first thing she did was the logo. Oh, yeah. Which she just randomly hit me on Facebook saying, you guys want a logo? Sure, yeah. And I could not dream how well that logo looked. I uh, The first time I saw it, the whole 3D uh, effect of it, I'm like, wow, that really blows the old one out of the water. I yeah. could not believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it was beautiful. And then she hit uh, us up asking if we wanted to do a photo shoot. Yeah. And first thing that popped in my mind was like, you want to take pictures of us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We agreed, and we went out to uh, El Mirage uh, a couple weeks ago and took some pictures, and as you can see from, like I said, the Podomatic page. These the came out great. Yeah. Especially oh. with our dumbasses on them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a friend, uh, uh, you know, email me and say, Phil, are, are you in a movie or something? You know, yeah. they, they thought, they're like, dude, this belongs on a cover of a DVD or something, and yeah. I'm like, um, yeah, no, no, that's actually for my podcast, but I have to agree with you, that is... It's some awesome work. It's insanely great work. We I, honestly, there is no level of love, thanks, everything we can say to Bianca for the great talent that she has shown our show. But thank you for uh, sharing your talent with us. Is yeah. what we can say. Is and thank I, you. I, I gotta say this though too, Phil. Yeah. You you handled yourself well with the nudity. Oh, you know, you know, is she gonna give us the nudes? That was part of the deal. I, I'll, I'll I'll ask her later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My fiance wants the nudes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, speaking of nudes, on another horrific level, yes, horrific. Um, uh, any of us nude? <laughs> yeah, uh, especially me. Jesus Christ! Uh, it being a very horrific month, we uh, thought we uh, would uh, talk about some of our favorite aspects, like uh, horror movies. Yeah, yeah, and you know, so it being the month of Halloween, I would just love to say, wahaha, boogie boogie boogie. Okay, I got that out of my system. Wow. So, yeah. that, that honestly scared me, but I don't think on the levels that you wanted it. No, 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 it's not. But hey, it, 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 you know what? The point is, it scared you. Yes, and, that's, uh, and I'll take what I can get. But also, too, from the last episode, what we kind of learned from here is you've got a thing for horror movies. I do love horror movies. The thing is, I just love, uh, well, you know, the thing is, they don't always scare me, but sometimes they're just, they're funny to watch. They're just fun to watch. That's you know, true. A, in a large uh, portion of times. I they're, they're fun to watch, and then there's also the ones where you're just sitting there going, holy crap. Oh, uh, there have been quite a few, and this is one that I'm actually going to bring up here right now. Yeah. Uh, um, Pet Cemetery. Now, that movie is fun to watch. You know, it's another Stephen King, you know, just yeah. like Stephen King's It, but Pet Cemetery. I will watch that movie, and I will walk away feeling really, you know, my skin's still crawling after watching it. Oh, yeah. Very, uh, I believe it was his. Uh, it was one of Stephen King's first actual novels to be adapted to a screenplay. And I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Rather than a short, it was an actual motion picture. It was the first. It was the first of its kind. 
Um, and um, it wasn't based on a short story. It was actually a novel. And they adapted it to the screenplay. Uh, and it really is a legitimately scary and frightening and very, uh, well, just all about creepy film. It oh, just yeah. hits all the marks. Yeah, and when it comes to horror movies, I've always had this long-standing ideal behind them. When it comes to dramas, uh-huh. there's always the good, there's always bad, and there's mid-roads. Right. Same with comedy. Good, bad, mid-road. Mid. Horror, there's no mid-road. There is not. It's either good or, or it's shit. Yeah. yeah. It's shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to put it blatantly. Yeah. No offense. But yeah, you really got to hit those right, and to me... Um, there are people that probably have a difference of opinion. <clears throat> uh, Pet Cemetery for me, uh, because you know, to really uh, touch people at a horrific level, you got to touch the individual. And Pet Cemetery for me hits all the marks to a T. I guess on the flip side of that one would be uh, mm-hmm. some of the most recent stuff that would be categorized as torture porn, which is the dumbest terminology I've ever heard in my life. Oh, torture porn? Yeah. <laughs> it's a horror movie. Every horror movie, you're going to feel like shit. You know, when I when I grew up, that was uh, they used to call those snuff films. You know? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there was one that came out a couple years ago. What's uh, that? Hostel Two. Oh, I remember that movie. Yeah, and before the movie came out, it was being touted as the most uh, frightful, scary ending in a long time. Oh, really? More, me, more so than uh, the first one? Yeah, really. Yeah, okay. and then me and my friend Doug, we went to go see it. Uh huh. When we sat there, we're watching it. We're watching the ending. We're sitting there going like, "Yeah, okay, um, this is good, I guess." But then afterwards, we're leaving the theater and we're overhearing people's conversations, and they're reacting the way the advertisers wanted them to. We're just kind of standing there going, "Should we be feeling weird about this?" Because <laughs> if, you if you remember the ending of uh, Hostel Two, uh-huh. spoiler alert. Go ahead. Uh, one dude gets his jump cut off. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, a girl gets her head chopped off, and little kids play soccer with it. Yeah, and you forgot to mention the fact that the junk got fed to a German shepherd. Oh yes, sorry. <laughs> you know, it's the devil's in the details, buddy. I know. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the. Yeah. Well, it, it, if that was supposed to be the big horrific ending, it's kind of like okay. <laughs> it's not knocking the movie or Eli Roth or anything. It's just like. So we seen some violent shit, I guess. Little kids playing soccer didn't really phase you, did it? No. <laughs> I was I, I I got lucky enough to see that on the movie channel. Now look, I I laughed my ass off. Oh, yeah. because I am a fucked up individual. That's but why still, we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. But still, there is a part of me that goes, yeah, you know, in hindsight, that is pretty screwed up. <laughs> but you know what I've learned from watching those movies? Yeah. I don't go backpacking anywhere. I oh, yeah. I am not going to be a tourist. Well, that's yeah. that's a lot of things with a lot of horror movies. A lot of movies, they always have those little niches where, I guess their terminology is cliches. Oh, cliches, yes. <laughs> yeah, like, um, um, name one from a comedy, comedy uh, cliche. A comedy cliche? Fine. All right, so say, okay, here's your typical, you know, uh, romantic comedy uh, rom- uh, scenario. Um, a woman, you know, she loves this one guy, and he's about to leave and go on a plane, right? Yeah. Now, at the last ditch effort, she goes, no, I love him. So she drives through all this traffic. She goes through all this shit to uh, get to the airport. She's knocking down old people, stuff like that. Going through security, you're like, oh, go on. Stuff like that. Yeah. Everybody's rooting for her to get to the plane. And she gets to the plane on time. I've seen the cliche go both ways. Uh, she gets to the plane. It leaves. And, oh, he didn't get on the plane because he loves her. You know? Ooh. So there is your typical romantic comedy cliche. 
Here's my favorite cliche. It is those movies with the midgets where they're wearing the creepy clown masks and they're wearing thongs and Will and Nine Irons. Dude, what the fuck kind of cliche is that? Porn. Oh, God. That's a completely different kettle of fish, man. <laughs> what the hell? I get out of left field. You don't but you've never seen any of those? Well, what do you watch? Back Horse Sluts 3? No. Black, Back Horse Sluts 3 has the midgets with the cricket bats. Oh. What the fuck was I thinking? Just as romantic comedies or movies in general... Or fucked up shit I'd watch, I guess. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Uh, they have their own cliches that they follow in uh, their own little formulas. And I, uh, it apparently, every horror movie has its own formula in cliches they follow. And being it being October, yeah, we found a list. Yes, that was graciously handed to us on a silver platter by the founder and I guess CEO of the greatest movie site online, JoeBlow.com. I will spell this out: J O B L O dot com. When you want to find good movie news, entertainment news, where you don't have to find out who's fucking who, who's doing what and everything. If you just want plain, straight up, just good, solid news where you, you don't want to put a drill to your skull, go to Joe Blow. Not only is it great news, it is very entertaining. It's I found money. myself clicking on stuff and just enjoying the living hell out of everything they have on there. I hit up uh, Berg, a.k.a. Joe Blow, mm -hmm. on his site and to see if he had any ideas for any good formerly cliches for us to bring up. A link to a really good article that they did have on the site back in April of 2008 written by Jim Law, which is the top ten horror cliches that need to die. Oh, sweet. And as we did with, before with our celebrity tipper <laughs> list, we're just going to go through it and just riff on what we need to riff with. Yeah. So, so let me... Uh, we'll let Phil start out with the ten. All right. Let me starting off. Okay. Number ten. Bleeding walls. All right. This is the typical setup. Haunted house wants people out, so it starts leaking blood. It's gotten to a point where this wouldn't even scare me in real life. Sure, I'd be a little pissed up, uh, pissed about the foundation damage and the stained carpets, but as a scare tactic, I probably wouldn't even get off of the couch. This goes for paintings, plant life, and statues of Jeebus, too. It actually says Jesus. Yes. <laughs> um, the shit just ain't scary. Supernatural beings should stop playing with petty little tricks like this and cut to the chase. Want to make something bleed? Try my nipples. Game over. You win. I'm out. And that's the whole thing with those haunted house horror movies, too. Any, yeah. Any normal person, you walk in a house and the walls start bleeding, first you're going to... Do a toxicology report on yourself. Make sure you weren't slipped anything. Right, exactly. And then if the house starts going, telling you get out, screw it, come out. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Murphy said it best when he said, "Wow, what a wonderful house." Get out. Too bad we can't see it, dude. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, I've seen that scenario so many times where you know, like you know, okay, the walls bleed, you know, and stuff like that. You're like, okay, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm just gonna get the fuck out of the house. Exactly. There was a guy on House Hunters. That was uh, paranoid about moving into a haunted house. So he had, like, a priest bless it, and he had, like, emeralds and stuff. Well, you got to cover your bases. <laughs> well, exactly. And the thing is, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, this is the most interesting episode of House Hunters I have ever seen. And that's very rare saying when it comes to House Hunters. Oh, exactly. I mean, 
I haven't really watched too many. But I sat down and watched this one, and I'm like, you know what? I think I would do that. Yeah, I want a priest here. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you really want to be technical, if you're sitting on the crapper and your house is telling you to get out, it's probably going to help you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. You just scared that log out of me. Yes. But, you know, <laughs> I mean... Uh, you know that you know the bleeding walls has been used so much that it was even satired in the very first Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Classics, uh, classic. Yeah, they go in there. Bart gets into an argument with the house. He goes, "Do it again." What? Make the walls bleed? No. Hey, man, we own you. Let's see some blood. I don't have to entertain you. Come on, come on, do the blood thing. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. Do it. I mean. That was great. I yeah. love that. Uh, but, you know, I just, it, uh, that kind of stuff, you know, uh, to get to a point, you know, even, uh, what is it, Evil Dad did it. Oh, I yeah. Mean, bleeding walls. Uh, it is a cliche, but it it really, it's it's not scary anymore. Yeah, it is. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still enjoy it, but, you know. Well, <laughs> honestly, over, yeah. not to, I guess, jump the list or anything. All right. A lot of these cliches that we're going to be seeing on this list, doesn't scare a lot of people anymore because no. with, when the world has the Saw movies, the Hostel movies, and now Human Centipede. Oh yeah, we, we we've delved into a different territory where it's um, <laughs> where it won't even uh, you know bother anybody. Face people, but yeah, yeah. All right, number nine, cats. The typical setup: Shelley hears something in the house. While exploring, a cat explodes from the closet. Now. If a cat actually exploded out of the closet, that'd be pretty damn cool. Yeah, I'd have a little geek cat, uh, geek gasm every time. But a little fireball and everything. And yeah, like, but I think what they mean is shooting out of the closet. Yeah, yeah, really quick. Anyway, this is usually combined with the sound editor pumping the volume to eleven. Uh, this only worked once. The movie was called Pet Cemetery. Thank you. The cat's name was Church, and she was a zombie cat. You see, zombie cats have a different set of rules. When it comes to being scary, when Fluffy Nuts, the family pet, jumps out at you, she usually gets, you know, caressed and fed for not being evil. When Church, the zombie cat, jumps out at you, she growls something that can only be compared to a record of Satan being played backwards and then rolls her eyes into the back of her head while cleaning herself of the dirt from the grave you just buried her in. Once a cheap scare, the other is just fucked up. So true. Yeah. So, I mean, that's still true with, what is it, The Grudge? The Grudge, yes. The grudge. Oh, yeah, the damn kid goes, Wah! Yeah, the cat kid. Yeah, the cat kid. I'm like, I don't even understand the connection. We have a little Asian boy that meows. But it's fucking scary. Or it's supposed to be fucking scary. And I think that just tra trails into our last episode with the whole remakes. Oh, my Lord, yeah. You know, uh, you know, this is like the Japanese one was fine. Why does America have to go and fuck it up? But because that's what we do when it comes to remakes. <laughs> that's not yeah. You, that, you, why don't we just call it? Oh, this is a fuck up of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the more uh, PR version be reheated. <laughs> oh, here we go, reheated. Uh, but anyway, this cliche. It's really funny. I was watching. Um, uh, Ooh, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, the same thing. Uh, this uh, girl, she's walking around. You know, the power goes out. Yeah. So she opens, she finally gets to this door. She opens the closet, and the cat goes, and yeah, it's a little, you know, cheap little jump scare. The cat comes out. But what I want to know is, 
how in God's name did the poor cat get stuck in that closet in the first place? I mean, was somebody putting away towels? Fluffy was like, I don't know, cressing up against the towels, and somebody closed the door, and the cat has fortunately has been stuck there till nighttime, and the power goes out? Oh, honestly, that can explain a lot of cats in horror movies. It's just not their evil. They just got stuck in a door. Yeah. <laughs> because their owners are idiots. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm passionate about these. I love uh, horror movies. Oh, horror movies are the best. Okay, so... I don't like this usual cliche that is number eight. No, the last eight. second fix. Oh, my God. Here's the setup. In order to escape or kill the bad guy, mm-hmm. our hero must use some sort of device that won't work until the last second. Mm-hmm. You ever notice how villains always get to the elevator just as it closes? <laughs> or how the car won't start until he's standing right outside the window? The gun won't fire until he's right on top of you? The bomb won't blow up until the last possible chance. You get the point? Oh, yeah. How many times do we have to go through this during a typical slasher film before there's a payoff? Have you ever thought, oh, my God, this is it. The elevator, that elevator is never going to close on time. And the lead character is going to die a half hour in. Never. Quit Quit treating us like idiots. Quit watching Halloween before you sit down and write and rehash the same shit over and over again. Just quit. You suck. (laughs) <laughs> Not only with vehicles, it's funny. Like I said, the monsters or whatever it is, they're all on top of you, and for whatever reason, you know, the cars... <laughs> now, this is one thing I was wondering. If you had a, if you were driving a Prius, you know, today's car, now... Yeah, oh, I, we want we to be green. <laughs> yeah, it's far-fetched, but, you know, my mom owns a Prius. Now, you can have the keys in your pocket... And you can run in there, and all you have to do is just push a button, and the sucker starts. Now, would that cliche really work if there was a Prius in this picture? Well, yeah, maybe the fact that the person may have to go unplug it real quick and (laughs) take it out. (laughs) Yeah, that could be a problem. Or worse yet, what if you get into the car and you realize, holy shit, the keys are still in the house. You know, so... (laughs) Very true. But with Prius, it's like, ooh, cool, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) But then also, too, the last second fix could also delve into the idea of the last second saves. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like Chainsaw Massacre in the end where the lone survivor gets picked up mm-hmm. by just a random motorist and is saved. Yeah. But then one of my favorite kind of fuck you to that cliche okay, I gotta came it. in House of a Thousand Corpses at <gasps> oh, the end. Oh, you're talking about the part where... She uh, she gets in the car, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. You think she's saved. Yeah, you think the save is there. It's Captain Spaulding, the goofy clown from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He picks her up thinking, holy crap, everybody's been looking for you. And she passes out, and as the movie, you think the movie's about to fade out, Otis pops up in the backseat. Yep. And you know she is fucked. Okay, so now <laughs> we're at number seven, Crazy Mirrors. Okay, here's the typical setup. Some traumatized loser looks into a mirror to see something scary behind them. When they turn around, it's gone. They might be high. Yeah, you're kind of stopping to think that way. Now, think long and hard about how fucking useless this is. It's as cheap a scare as you're ever going to get. Ignoring the fact that we can all see it coming a mile away. Whenever somebody is alone in front of a mirror, what purpose does it serve? If that ghoul was really behind her, she'd have to fight back. But it's not. That ghoul must have really had a powerful effect on her. I hope so. It just tried to kill her five minutes in the scene and prior. 
Her imagination is really off the hook. Seriously? Imagining what happens in a horror movie is real, is what's supposed to make it scary. As in, imagine a zombie camp latched onto your nutsack. Now, I have to imagine she's imagining something scary. My head hurts. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. You know, the thing is, this is overused. And the thing is, it's been overused so much, I'm almost disappointed when they don't use it. Exactly. You, you think it's coming a mile away. It's exactly what it says. Exactly. I'm like, okay, here's the thing, scene in the mirror. Okay, she's about to close it. And then, what? There's no jump scare there? I've seen movies where they finally did that. I'm like, oh, you fuckers. Yeah. You didn't resort to the cheapest trick? I don't know if I should be proud or sad. I don't know either. It's like they, it's like it's like oh, you didn't even stop to think that maybe they could put it there. But no, you can't tell me that the director's going. Hey, you think something scary's coming? It's not. He's just sitting there counting his money. Yeah, what kind of thought process goes into that? Well, I did a little bit of further research when it came to this uh, piece because I jumped on IMDb. Oh, here you are. Because one of the main movies that has a huge history behind mirrors. And Crazy Mirror is The Shining. That one's a big one. Yeah. It says, so, uh, whenever Jack sees a ghost, a mirror is always present. Uh, an example, uh, when he meets Lloyd, there is a mirror behind the bartender. When he speaks with Grady, there is a long mirror beside them. And when he encounters the woman in room 237, you know, that's the, the granny lady. The creepy old bitch. Yeah, exactly. She was hot at first. Anyway, there is a full-length mirror in front of him. The only ghost... Uh, the only ghost scene that doesn't have a mirror is the one where he can't see the ghost either. You know, when Grady speaks to him from the other side of the pantry. Some viewers have argued that this indicates that the ghosts are not real at all and that Jack is essentially talking to himself uh, by projecting another figure into the mirror. However, there are no mirrors present when Danny sees the Grady twins or when Wendy begins to encounter ghosts towards the end of the film. As director Kubrick intended that the ghosts in the film be seen as real, the presence of mirrors in the scenes of Jack's encounters, while it may offer food for the viewer's discussion, does not provide a strong argument for the stance of the ghosts being not real. And a good example of this, you know, let's say, okay, say he is talking to himself. He's does, talking to himself. Right. <laughs> does that mean... That uh, when he encounters the woman in the bathroom, that he's making out with himself. He might be just jerking it. I mean, that's, well, that's one thing I'm thinking. I mean, what if, uh, I mean, this, you see, this could have played into a whole comedic picture if, say, his wife walked in and there he is with his pants down, you know, rubbing up against the mirror. Well, and Stephen uh, Gruber fucking his dead wife on the tombstone. And the groundskeeper walks by and yeah, he's just standing there. <laughs> Those noises are just priceless. Oof! <laughs> I'm sorry. Those are the terrible orgasm noises. So. But yeah, you know what? That yeah, actually, horror movies, though. That actually fits with my example very perfectly. Thank you, Josh. So, what's the next one? It's number six, and it's Urban Heroes. Urban Heroes. That's a new one. Yeah. Okay. The typical setup for this would be the streetwise punk fighting bad guys while saying things like, that's what I'm talking about, and I'll oh, hell no. <laughs> I'd like to sit down with the guy responsible for having Buster Rhymes fight Michael Myers in Halloween Resurrection. I'd start off with a conversation by saying, hey, wouldn't it be cool to see a movie with where the Bloods and Crips travel back in time and lay beatdowns on dinosaurs? <laughs> then before he could respond, I would slap him 
so hard his face would explode and his dog would die. <laughs> Watch Nick Cannon in the Day of the Dead remake and try not wishing he'd die every time he's on screen. It's impossible. The scariest thing about movies that feature these characters is fearing that they survive until the end. Oh my god. I can agree with that. Yeah, I really can. But also this could be this could be clumped up into another cliche. Oh yeah. The fact that in all horror movies supposedly the first victim is always a person of color. That you know, that is wrong. You know, and that's where you get the all oh, hell no. Yeah. I mean <laughs> that's where you get the urban heroes for the people going like, I want to make up for all those dead uh, people for all the for all the brothers that died. Yeah, you know? the Buster Rhymes fighting Michael Myers in Halloween Resurrection. Exactly. I mean, what was their thought? It's kind of like a. I mean, not that Buster Rhymes was in the film. That's not a problem. Yeah, the, the dude is a damn good actor. He's a wonderful actor and he's fun to watch. Watch Narc. Yes, damn good movie. Very Rhymes. good movie. Uh, but you know, they, not Halloween Resurrection. No. Well, for one thing, they really don't utilize him. The way he should be utilized. Oh yeah. Granted, seeing him fight Mike Myers is amusing, but the thing is, it 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 it, it, it kind of cheapens uh, it cheapens the franchise uh, because you know they just kind of they're throwing like reality TV into it. It's like okay, well, what's hot now? Let's throw this, and it instantly just dates the picture. Halloween Resurrection, the one that kind of killed the franchise before Rob Zombie. Uh, trying to resurrect it, it. Yeah. yeah. I think he resurrected He did, he did, by by taking it back to its roots. And, yeah, the thing is, it was out with the old and with the new because the very beginning of Halloween Resurrection, they kill off Jamie Lee Curtis. And I'm like, wait a minute. You have forked up dough to get the original actress from the movie. Granted, she, did, uh, she was in H2O, but yeah. she is also top billing in Halloween Resurrection and she dies within the first 15 minutes. Well, I guess it would be considered the, maybe the psycho effect, killing your main character off right off the bat. Yeah, but well, we got to remember that Halloween Resurrection is not psycho. Oh, it's far. It is psycho. far from psycho. And right that's now. probably the whole thing. They were probably thinking, this will get people. Yeah. We'll get them in the seats with the name on the poster and then Fuck him in the ass. Yeah, exactly. Ironically, it was Jamie Lee Curtis's mom in Psycho that yeah. died. So maybe full was, circle. Wow. But unfortunately, Jamie Lee Curtis's death, uh, as opposed to shocking people, well, it did shock people. It mostly pissed off, pissed, pissed them off. They were like, "This was supposed to be what the fuck." That's not the reaction you want to get. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> full it's circle. A, it's a shit reaction. And speaking of shit, all right, number five. Dropping shit. Dropping shit. Oh, oh. This it does not involve a bathroom. No, this is my personal favorite. Let me give you the setup. Go ahead. Jesse has 30 seconds to unlock the door and escape sure death. This would be much easier if she stopped dropping the fucking keys. <laughs> this applies to most, almost everything useful in horror movies. Bullets, guns, knives, keys, phones, flashlights. They all seem to be smothered in baby oil before the scene starts. It's amazing how stupid and clumsy people get when their lives are on the line, I think. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. You know, yeah, people do get incredibly clumsy in these movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen them drop bullets. I've seen them drop weapons. Really clear things. But I guess the argument could be told is like, well, they're in such a state of terror that they're not in their right of mind. I'm sorry. You've got somebody about ready to kill you. I, I, it kind of takes your mind a little bit higher. Oh, exactly. The thing is, when you're in that mode, uh, for most people... There is a fight or flight yeah. mode. You either, what is it, you get kicked up, your body will jerk you up with a whole bunch of adrenaline to either 
fight whatever the fuck is scaring you or uh, gun it away. So oh, even yeah. if you drop the keys, I bet you you could probably break the door down. Oh, yeah. If you are desperate enough. This was utilized. I don't know. Did you ever see the movie um, Night of the Demons? Uh, it was an old horror, um, horror Halloween film that came out back in 1988. Oh. And what, does it, what it is, they go into this house and demons... Uh, slowly possess it, one bunch of kids. Have the, yeah, it's a party with a bunch of kids. Yeah, yeah, and one of my first tit flicks. Oh yeah, oh it, yeah, it was your first tit flick, and one of the first. and it has an urban hero at the end. Yeah, a black guy actually survives. Yes, and he is the smartest one in this movie. Yeah. the character Roger. Oh God, I don't know what the actor's name is, and I apologize. I will bring it up on the next podcast, but. Um, um, I don't know who he is, but like I said, he's the smartest character. They're surrounded by zombies, right? And all he says in this point, you know, this is where they're doomed. They are backed up against the corner. He goes, you ain't getting me. And he runs, and he breaks down a freaking door to get out of there. I mean, this thing is bolted. Fight and flight. Yeah, (laughs) fight and flight. He breaks the sucker down. He's got all that adrenaline. He jumps up, and he's climbing up. I mean, these, there's these barbed wired uh, fence, and he's climbing up it like this. I mean, he's bleeding, but he's like, <laughs> and he's getting up there. I don't mind a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, he's getting up there with incredible ease, and, you know, that's what uh, helps him to survive. So, there is an example of fight and flight. I mean, I'm like, I don't think anything is, you know, going to escape from this guy's finger. Yeah, exactly. So what's next on the list? On the list, we have number four, dreams. Typical setup. Something incredible happens, taking us by complete surprise. Character wakes up. You ever notice some of the coolest moments in film happen during the token dream sequence? Main characters die. Monsters reveal themselves. Shy girls show their boobs. And then they wake up. Reminding us that what we just saw didn't really happen. Thus, a complete and total freaking waste of time. Yes. Why is that a good thing? Sure, it's a great tool for uh, foreshadowing, but for the most part, it just feels like the director had a really cool idea for a scene and tried to squeeze it in without disturbing an otherwise shitty script. Exactly. The remake of Nightmare on Elm Street that came out in 2010, there is this scene where Nancy... Well, let's see. The acting in this movie... Oh, God. How do I put this diplomatically? It's... Uh, it's shit. Thank you, Josh. The acting is so bad um, in this film that there's a scene where Nancy comes out and she comes into her room. Now, look, it is snowing in her room. This is a dream sequence. Now, if you're unaware that it's a dream, your actual reaction should be, holy fuck, it's snowing in my room. Yeah. But the actress kind of looks at this and kind of shrugs it off as if to say, oh, normally it snows in the kitchen. The, the dream sequences is supposed to promote a bit of surrealism, and there's nothing like that in this scene. I mean, this person just accepts the fact that it's snowing in her motherfucking bedroom. Well, you're trying to... Are, are, are you saying I'm overanalyzing? I mean, is that what I'm doing? Well, if we didn't overanalyze things, uh, then this would be pointless. Good point. I mean, I don't mean to, but really, it just pisses me the fuck off! You want to see heads jammed up asses? I want to see heads jammed up asses. Sorry, we have to call that Thank one you. Back. Okay, <laughs> so what is number three, my friend? Number three, cell phones that never work. Mm-hmm. Here's the setup for that one. Well, the kind of setup, because the title kind of explains itself. Yeah. As soon as they're needed, the phone implodes. 
This is the most recent cliche on the list. Do the technology advances directors have found themselves having to deal with the fact that every victim, moronic or not, probably has a cell phone? What to do? Let's make the battery run out. <laughs> make sure there's no reception where they're going to die. Destroy it. One of those things usually happens in the first act, removing it as an option early on. So I guess if you're out and notice any of these with your phone, you're going to die in approximately 45 minutes from that moment. Go home now. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Cell phones have taken the place of the black guy in horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> They're the first thing to go. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's why we have the urban heroes now with the advancing technology. If you're a cell phone in a horror movie, you're fucking dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a great video on YouTube where it shows cell phones just going to crap in horror movies. Mm -hmm. And it's just cell phones... You might as well just toss it against the wall because you're fucked. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, you're 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 backed out in the corner, and I think that's funny. The way the directors they try to you know you, you try not to treat your audience like children, but yet you've got to answer this question. You got to have uh, conveniently. Oh, we're in an area with no bars. Uh, <laughs> um, nuclear holocaust was over here, and satellite doesn't cover it. I mean, yeah, you you can't get a reception, and I'm thinking, you know. Another 30 years from now, let's just say, I mean, I've seen a lot of sci-fi pictures, right? What if this becomes a reality? Everybody has a, um, <clears throat> a chip in their head. You know, it's installed in their head, and you can call, and there's an active GPS. If you go missing, people can find you or anything like that. You can contact anybody just by saying send. Now, what all those horror movie cliches, this horror movie cliche goes out the fucking window if we ever have that kind of advancement. Well, if it does get to that point, any horror movie like that, it'll usually be probably the one person in the group that will have that chip. Yeah. And within the first 20 minutes of them being stranded or whatever, they'll take a pickaxe to the head. Right. And, and damage the chip. And they'll be fucked. Uh, uh, put, pick your head around the corner and take a peek. <laughs> oh, Shit, you lost your head. <laughs> all right. So you're going to lose your head. All right. Here we go. Uh, this is another favorite of mine. Number two, stupid cops. Oh. All right. Typical setup, Josh. Police show up to make sure everything is okay, missing any and all clues of shenanigans, and promptly leave. Now, is there anything more fucking frustrating than seeing parts, like seeing clueless cops, Step over a puddle of blood, or stop in the doorway of a dark room filled with body parts, and then walk away? My favorite is when they blame strange noises on the wind. <laughs> it isn't only the officers, either. How many times have the victims finally got to a phone and then put on hold after dialing 911? <laughs> Unless the main character is a cop, they're deemed useless in the world of horror. They bring us hope for a split second and then fail us again and again by either dying or leaving. Just like my first girlfriend. I mean, that's just wrong, man. Well, let's give Phil a moment here. <laughs> I'll be fine. But uh, back to the, even the dialing the 911 stuff. Uh, yeah. They, they call 911 uh -huh. and they're like, someone's trying to break in. Not really, they, they're a little bit panicked, but they're usually like, someone's trying to break in. When's the first thing you say when that operator picks up? It's like, I'm about to fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that? Yeah. It's kind of like, send Marines, send fucking backup. I'm going to fucking.
fucking die. I mean, just bring me a gun. I'll take care of it. Just, I'm in my house by myself. Fuck! If you don't want to get out of the car, I'll take care of it. You know? Just you know, flash your lights. It might scare them off. <laughs> exactly. But they're like, uh, they're like, now please state the nature of your emergency. Eat me, you bitch! My, uh, what is it? Bruce Willis did it the best. When he goes, um, oh, what was it? In Die Hard 1, yeah. uh, one of my favorite scenes in Die Hard. I know it's not a horror movie, but it's still... It still holds. This part where uh, he's he finally gets a, pol- a radio and he pl- uh, he radios for the police and the operator goes, uh, "Sir, this line is for emergencies only." And he says, "No fucking shit, lady. Does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza?" <laughs> Love that one. I love the Die Hard movies. Oh, yeah. Bruce Willis' delivery in that was great. And the thing is, that is the same kind of scenario we're in here. The only movie I could think of that properly utilized a smart cop, uh, and this is a cop that was on the uh, phone, and I think it's both in the uh, original and the remake or reimagining, whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, of... When a stranger calls. Oh yeah. Yeah, because it cop the cop called her back. She kept going back and forth to this cop, and finally he uses the like the reverse GPS uh, directory, and he goes, "Stephanie, get out of the house." The co- oh, the- oh, hold on. Oh, sorry. Greatest classic line ever in horror it. movies. No, you. Oh no, you, you, you oh, yeah. delivered the best. The call is coming from inside the house. Exactly. It, yeah, it was great. That was one uh, uh, one point where it didn't utilize a stupid cop. We actually have a smart one. Yeah, just not in the right location. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wrong place, wrong time, but you know what? You were rooting for him to say, you know, like, get out of the house. I mean, that was utilized very good. Oh, yes. And it was realistic. It was yeah, very exactly. realistic. So, all right. Now, this is the number one cliche that, that is overused. That needs to die. Yes. In the is. words of Jim Law, once again, thank you Joe Blow for giving us this article. Yes. Thank you Jim Law for writing this. Oh, this is a wonderful list, Jim. Thank you. Here it is. It is just entitled. Number one, uh, he's not dead yet. <laughs> Typical setup, as if it needs to be set up. Good guy kills bad guy. Drops the weapon and then realizes, oh shit, the movie's not over yet. The most ridiculous and overused cliche there is. This is why there's 768 combined Jason, Michael, and Freddy movies. Everybody knows they're not really dead the first time. Everybody knows you shouldn't have thrown that gun away after shooting him six times in the face. Everybody knows he's going to jump up just as you walk by. Everybody knows! And that's why this feels so tired. When I'm in the mood... All this shit can be a lot of fun. See Hatchet. But for the time being, I'm still on the hunt for a horror movie that delivers in story as much as it does in scares. Call me when you find one. Just make sure your cell phone is charged. Exactly. And the, the, the weirdest thing was trying to figure out examples of this was so damn easy. Yeah. Every horror movie in fucking existence. Yeah. Does this. I mean, you hear the. Uh, here's an example of the first Halloween movie. Um, I usually know that. Holy shit. Can't you hear the music? Da-da. And he's, you know, approaching her. Jesus, bitch, turn around. Don't you hear the music? He's coming. You know, sorry. I'm really passionate about this. No, no. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then it's also, with, like they said, with the Michael Myers movies, the Jasons, the Freddies. Mm hmm. Basically, they're going to live unless you fucking yeah. do something. Like, yeah. in the words of Randy in the Scream movies... You've got to cryogenically freeze him, break him up to pieces, cut off his head, and hope to God the pieces don't come after you. 
So now that we've talked about the shit, Josh, how about we talk about something that isn't shit? Yes, definitely. One of my favorite movies of this past year has made its way to video on demand, and it will be getting its uh, DVD release here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. The Kevin Smith horror movie. That Kevin Smith horror movie, mm -hmm. Red States. Yeah, I just want to be clear here. Yes. It, it's in the vein of horror movies like Sixth Sense and Silence of the Lambs. It's yeah. not blood, gore, a weird-ass monster chasing no. you. It is, you're just sitting there going, holy crap, this is creepy. You will actually walk away from this movie feeling dirty. And that's what the Cooper family is in this film. Dirty. Very, very dirty. Yeah, the lead of this movie is Michael Parks, who plays Gaming Cooper to a T. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the whole family is just creepy, but also, too, I guess the family that runs the Westboro Baptist Church inspired this movie. Yeah, these are the, these are, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, would you call them extremists? Not really extremists, because they don't do really anything violent. They really don't do anything but annoy the shit out of people. Right, the movie, even this movie uses the term that they are, uh, they are, uh, sewers, sewers, not doers. Sewers, not doers. There we yeah. go. These people go to funerals <laughs> of anybody that they feel, they deem are evil. Evil. Yeah. They'll go to soldiers' funerals. They'll go to little kids' funerals. And that's, honestly, you, you gotta be a special kind of fucked up. Oh, yeah. To do this kind of shit. You're just, um, they are the worst kind of person. Yeah. And I guess to sum it up perfectly would be, you know what, go choke on a dick. Oh, wait a second. God hates fags. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, choke on a goat dick and die. The gall for them to have a website that says, God hates fags. Yeah. Uh, they, they do. They do. You click on anything that's related to the Westboro. I, I, I'm not encouraging you. Don't click on this shit. Yeah, don't go to their site. We're, let us be the ones to reveal these dumbasses to you. and Yeah, and avoid them. Back. Avoid them like the fucking plague, because that's what they are. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry. Um, they're Like I said, they're just the worst kind of person. Yeah. So you know what is? Oh, go ahead. You know what? Fuck it. Let's leave it at that. You know what? We will. In the beginning of this movie, three kids, teenagers from high school, mm -hmm. decide they want to get some ass. Right. So they go. Who doesn't? Yeah. So they go on this thing that they say is Craigslist for people that want to get laid. I thought Craigslist was that. <laughs> they even make that statement. But these guys go looking for sex, mm -hmm. and then they find it an ad with this lady played by Melissa Leo, the great Oscar-winning Melissa Leo. Mm -hmm. When they go meet up with her, she kind of comes off a little bit creepy. Oh yeah. You know, the thing is, if I was, I mean, I honest to God was thinking at this point in the movie, I'm like, honestly, these guys can't get laid by anybody in their high school? I mean, I mean, I, I understand that it's a lot easier. They're like, okay, well, we're cougar hunting or whatever yeah. the heck it is, or milf hunting, because she was a mother. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they go to this trailer. Okay, here's warning light number one. You're about to get laid in a trailer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The trailer is located on the property of said Cooper family, the family that the entire city hates. Yes, everybody supposedly knows about these people in this film. Uh, warning light number one, then warning light number two. The woman comes out, and she's like, I bet you're in a hurry to get started with the devil's work. I'd be back in the car right there and on my way home. Uh, yeah, I'm like, okay, guys, uh, you guys go ahead and, uh, you know, get yourselves laid. I'm going to go be here waiting in the car driving away. Yes. You know? <laughs> and then the beer talk. Oh, God, yeah, the beer. She goes, 
Well, well, let me see uh, if I can uh, put her terms to work. Oh, yeah, she says, I want you to drink up and have some beers. I don't let any man in me unless he's had a couple of beers in him. Yeah. Warning like, light number three! Yep. Yeah. But you know what? These three, uh, our three heroes, and I use that term loosely, yeah. um, are, 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 are three nimrods. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they are not the best and brightest. Really, they're not. Anyway, she drugs them. And then they wake up inside the Cooper compound. Uh, in the Cooper compound, they're in the middle of a sermon. With the great Michael Parks doing one of the best sequences in a movie I've seen in a long time, where you're sitting there thinking, wow. And they have their children there and everything. Everything is just uh, really normal, but yet there's a man, uh, uh, supposed homosexual. He's hidden <laughs> underneath a sheet. Yeah. And they're just doing their usual spiel about the evils of the world and everything. And one of them's also in a dog cage. Yeah. Yeah. But then the kids are exiting into the room. It's about yeah, to get grown so up in here. Yeah, so they flat out, they wrap this guy in, what is it, cellophane? Yeah. They wrap this poor guy in cellophane and uh, blow his brains out. Yeah. And then that's when everything hits the fan. Oh, yeah. And at this point, we get revealed to... Uh, John Goodman's role in the movie. Right. Which, he is such a damn good role for this movie. He, I haven't seen him in a long time, and this was, a, you know, if, I don't know if he needed to make a comeback or whatnot. Well, actually, no. I'm sorry, he didn't need to make a comeback because he has done, vo he's been just doing voice work. If, if there was anything he would be like, okay, I'm going to take a risk on this film, Red States was the perfect one because it shows him in the best role I think of his entire career. I really think if he could get an award, he would. I mean, last month or a couple weeks ago, I forget the date, Kevin Smith ran a special uh, screening engagement at the New Beverly in Hollywood. Right. Exactly for Academy Votes. No kidding. Well, that's great. Yeah. He figured the stars uh, did the movie for such little money. He wanted to make sure that they got their chance because they pulled some great performances out. And Kevin Smith... He has made fun of a couple of his past films before, like Jersey Girl and Mallrats oh, yeah. and stuff. There's nothing in the world Kevin Smith should be nothing more than just damn proud of this movie. Well, it was just, it was so different. Oh, yeah. It's so distancing from, I mean, like I said, there are little nuances to, that say, yeah, there, there, there's the Kevin Smith. Yeah, right there's there. the Kevin Smith in but there. But the, then you movie, the film took risks, and it was very uh, legitimately creepy. Uh, at times, and that's really, it's really hard to get a scare out of me. Oh, yeah. You know, because I'm so desensitized to stuff, but, um, you know, I actually was holding my breath on quite a few of these scenes. Oh, definitely. Um, Especially the ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert about yes. the ending. If you have not seen the movie, fast forward, please. Yeah, you don't need, uh, click click off now. Yeah, and because uh, we are going to, we are going to talk about this ending. Yeah. Right now. The rapture. Yes, the rapture. Kevin Kate. Smith has the set to do the rapture. Mm-hmm. Yes, in the middle of this big old gunfight, because John Goodman's character, he works for, what, the government, right? Yeah, he's an ATF agent. Yeah, ATF. And they need to bring these people down. And what they do, they got to clean up the mess. So that means they're gonna, their plan is to kill all these people, ask questions later. Yeah. Clean it up with paperwork. Exactly. And, well... Bells go off. Yeah, trumpets. The trump, the heavenly trumpets start blaring. Oh and yeah, they're blaring. And when you see this in a theater, I had a chance to see it in the theaters in L.A. 
on uh, Kevin Smith's Roadshow. When those trumpets go off, it shakes you. It does. Yeah. I like I said, I was completely on the edge of my seat. I was sitting down. I've never. It's been a long time since I've just kind of, you know, like merged myself and you know, I was really, really getting involved. Oh yeah. Actively involved in what was going on here. And then not. I we will not reveal the the, the um, origin of the trumpets. No. But as it plays out, it it goes perfectly. Yes. Terms. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, you know, there are uh, the the movie could have you could have walked away going, dude, that was fucked up. But I actually walked away. Now I walked away. And, you know, like I said, I was feeling a little dirty because of some of the stuff I had seen. But the movie actually does have an ending and wraps up. Yeah. In, in almost a traditional horror movie way. In which, you know, most people, they want, like, either, like, a villain or something like that to survive in order to be more marketable. Oh, yeah. But that's not what Kevin Smith wanted. He wanted a standalone film, and that's what he's got here. Exactly. And the, the idea of even trying to be marketable with this movie, he threw that out the window at Sunday. Uh, and I, uh, I, I really, might, like, once, uh, once again, my hat's off to him there. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I'm glad he's giving um, the actors, I mean, I really think it's really big of him. Uh, to give, uh, because he, he he realizes that he pulled some really good performances out of them, and I really believe both uh, the guy who played uh, Cooper, uh, Michael and, Parks. Thank you, Michael Parks. Michael yeah. Parks. Yeah, Michael Parks. Michael Parks and uh, John Goodman's character, uh, they were just uh, well. Everybody in this movie, they 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 were just great. Uh, but mostly John Goodman and Michael Parks. Oh, yeah. They deserve some Academy recognition. Oh, definitely. Even just the recognition alone is. is I was really blown away by seeing them in the movie. Oh to yeah, tell you the truth. Oh I yeah, and especially at the end when they were face to face. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that that was a you know I've heard of showstoppers, but oh, yeah. that one really takes the cake. Oh yeah, there's there's multiple showstoppers in this movie. Oh, oh yeah, you just kind of I I had to, I actually had to stop. I'm like, okay, I better uh, you know I got to go use the restroom. I don't want to miss. Oh yeah, any of this. One of the key show stopping moments is when one of the boys that is abducted into the compound, it breaks free and gets his hands on a gun and starts making his way through the compound trying to find his way out and then he comes back into the chapel. My question to you, Phil, that now you've seen the movie and everything. Right. If you were up on the cross wrapped in that cellophane, mm -hmm. I wouldn't even really say you know you're fucked, but basically you know some, this is not going to be good. You yeah. saw me out of the corner of your eye with a freaking machine gun would you want me to try to run, get some help, or would you want me to open fire? I want you to empty the gun and everybody that you saw, and uh, just um, untie my feet. I don't bother getting me off the cross. Just untie my feet so I can run and or hop my way out of there. Just empty the gun at every single bastard you see. That'd be my answer too. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you know what. To anybody that is listening right now, yeah. you know the scene I am talking about. Mm -hmm. That is my question to you. Would you want your friend off to the side to open fire and just, you know what, if we're going down, we're taking them with us? Yeah. Or run and get help? Oh, on that note, that is the question we raise to you. That is Red State. We highly recommend it. It is definitely worth a look. You're a fan of horror movies. You're a fan of thrillers. You're a fan of just watching some fucked up religious people kill people. Oh, yeah. You teabaggers out there. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah. So... Well, I think that wraps it up for this one. 
Um, Josh, there was something you wanted to say uh, before we concluded, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like we said at the beginning of this episode, there was the mile po- milestone point for you this month with your birthday. Yeah. And then the people that do know me, like Phil knows about this and everything, yeah. this year also marks a 10-year point for uh, the passing of one of my best friends, uh, Tom Quinette. And honestly, whenever it comes to anything I do creatively, Tom was the first person that kind of pushed me to try it, take that risk. Either verbally be creative or put it to paper. And now that this month is the tenure mark of his passing, I still miss you, Tom. To the people that knew you, you're in my thoughts. And to the people that didn't know you, sorry about your damn luck. And on that note, I wouldn't want to end this too somberly because, you know what, Tom <laughs> wants want to end with a laugh. And everybody loves a dick joke, so... Tom really loved the dick joke. Yes, he did. So, so as we end every episode, time for our stupid game. Here we go. And this week, it is... Uh, the worst things you don't want to... Uh, the last thing you want to hear from your doctor. And here we go. Well, Phil, there's no reason you shouldn't live another 40 years. However, you will be bleeding constantly through both eyes. Oh, I just had a sudden urge for Cheerios. Well, Nurse Ratchet has the petroleum jelly. I've got my wits about me. We're going to have a party! Well, looking at this wound, it just makes me remember that I need an oil change. Forceps. Scalpel. Clamps. Oops. Would this be a bad time to tell you I'm a ventriloquist, too? Oh, my God. It's a fucking train wreck in here. I don't see anything. Oh, there it is. Did anybody ever tell you you had a birthmark that looked like Joe Theismann? (laughs) I think I dropped my sandwich in this fucker. Has anybody seen my watch? Shit. My son's hung bigger than him. Have you ever had any uh, penile eruptions? Uh, today? I know you asked me this first, but does this look infected? It's not a growth, Mr. Morgan. It's your balls. <laughs> you know what? And that concludes this episode of Nowhere, California. We'll see you again in November. Thank you so much, everybody. This has been Reissue 4, Episode 3. Yes. Yes, I repeat again. Reissue 4, Episode 3. And the dead horse called it said stop beating. Oh, uh, yeah, I think shit just flew out of its ass. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that being said, thank you for giving it a listen. <laughs>